Welcome back to the Breath of Heaven podcast. I want to share something simple tonight, and then I want to pray together. We live in a moment in time where war is breaking out. First, in in most recent history, uh, the war in Ukraine, and now in Israel. And I find it really intriguing that at the same time that war is breaking out in the natural with physical weaponry, I'm talking to friends of mine who are going through deep spiritual attacks, some of which seem like they have nothing to do with the wars that are happening, some of which seem like they have a lot to do with it. I've talked to multiple friends of mine in recent, let alone kiddos having bad dreams and and things along those lines, but I've talked to a few of my friends, two in particular, one who has just been Uh, having breakthrough in their life and at the same time having the enemy come and slam them and try to bring questioning and doubt. Another of which had a crazy dream and encounter uh, with the devil in a way that there was literally a spirit that came and said something to the effect of "Your, your God is not real, Allah is God. In his dreams. And in the dream, a spirit moved through him and tried to push out his faith in Jesus. Wild dream. But the interesting thing about it to me is I've heard of multiple things of the spirit of what is happening in the natural in Israel happening in people's lives around the world, even here. What I want to talk tonight about very briefly is about winning the war against the enemy. And there's an old phrase that says you can lose the battle but win the war. And I actually think winning the war against the enemy is a consistent winning the battles against the enemy. I was reminded of something that I had. Let me, let me just preface this way. I hate glorifying the devil, nor will I. I don't like talking about him. I hate demons. I hate the devil. Period. They annoy me. They tick me off. I don't like giving them any room or any time of day. I'm just going to be honest. I love to talk about Jesus. I love to worship Jesus. In fact, all of my friends, even with deliverance and things, I'm always like, yeah, but just remember Jesus. Like, just keep him first. But there is a real war. And I think if we don't talk about it, we fall susceptible to it. And so I want to talk briefly tonight about winning the war against the enemy. Um, and I was reminded of encounters that I had when I was young. And, and I'm curious if you guys would be brave to raise your hands. How many of you have seen... This is going to be one of those nights, but I'm just going to go for it. How many of you have seen a demon or a dark figure in your life? How many of you was it when you were young? How many of you guys have seen spiritually things of God? How many of you, I'm just curious now, this is just for me to know. How many of you saw darkness before you saw light? Okay, interesting. When I was a kid, for a period of my life, I would regularly see demons. 
I would see dark figures coming up the stairwell at night. I would see uh, dark figures that looked like animals running across our yard, and I was tormented by it. Weird things would happen. There was a certain open door in my life, just to be honest, and it had to do with a game that I was wrapped up in, and I played a lot, but it was an open door. And I was seeing all this like demonic stuff, and I was wrestling with it until the revelation came that that was the open door, ended that in my life, in fact, burned all of the stuff that had to do with it, and gave it to the Lord, and all of that stopped then. Um, later on in my life, and then I began to see more spiritually things of the Lord. I find that often children get attacked the most by darkness before they come into finding out their identity and who they are. It's almost like the enemy tries to take you out before you even get a chance to stand on something solid. Now, I think this isn't just for children, but I just, it's really interesting because I found this with a lot of children. Um, when I was about to go into school of ministry, this is a wild encounter. Again, I'm not glorifying the devil because he's a punk. But when I was about to go into the school of ministry, I had one of the wildest encounters with darkness I had ever had in my life. Uh, where I physically felt, I'll tell you. I was, the night before I left for school of ministry, it was the night before I moved out of my parents' house into the dormitory at the school. And I was awoken in the middle of the night being choked. All of my limbs grabbed and held and smashed into my bed. Like indented into my bed. So I was wide awake. There was an I don't sleepwalk. It wasn't any of that. I was fully awake. And it was something demonic. And I squeaked out the name of Jesus. And as soon as I got it out of my mouth, it broke. But the interesting thing to me was I went through this wild encounter the night before I went to the school of ministry. The night before something in my life was unlocked in my identity as a worship leader, but beyond that, just as a child of God, in coming into an understanding of who I was in the Lord, he tried his best the night before breakthrough. Okay, it's heavy, I know. We're not talking about demons all night. Here's the good news. John chapter 16, verse 33. Before I say that, Jesus has already won. I just want to be super clear. Jesus has won. He has won the victory. He has authority. I was saying to a friend of mine the other day, I picture the devil like, uh, and I have since I was a kid. Do you guys remember the, the cartoon, The Pinky and the Brain? So there's like this little tiny little mouse who thinks he's all powerful. And there was like this scene where there was a light shining and he looked like this giant figure on the wall, but he's really still a tiny mouse. And he's smart and he's cunning. He just isn't really as powerful as he lets on to me. Here's the truth. The devil's powerful. Demons are powerful. They just hold nothing against Jesus. You on your own, they're super powerful. You with the Holy Spirit, can't touch you. Okay? Just want to be clear. But... We still live on earth and walk in flesh. So here's the truth. John 16 verse 33 says, These things I have spoken to you so that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take courage because I have overcome the world. If you will turn, if whoever has your Bible, if you'll turn to Luke chapter 4. I just want to break down a short part of this scripture. And what I honestly want to do is just expose some of the tactics of the enemy, and I want to pray for us tonight. Because I've heard of a bunch of people, 
I'm just naming a few, but people who are having bad dreams, people who are suffering with depression like they haven't in a long time. There's just a lot of ridiculousness going on, and I want to call it out, and I want to pray for it. So that's what we're doing tonight. Luke chapter 4, verse 1. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led around by the Spirit in the wilderness. Now, I quote this scripture a lot when I talk about going through a desert season of life, or the dark night of the soul, or when you're in a season of feeling dry and away from God. And the reason I quote it is because one of the revelations that I had about this passage was that the Spirit actually led Jesus to the place of the wilderness. It wasn't necessarily, when, when I had my couple of years of questioning everything, it happened because I felt like I had been detached from the presence of God for the first time in my life. It was a very weird experience. I will one day share that whole thing. That's not for tonight. But I felt like I got kicked out of the Garden of Eden, literally. I was like, I walked with you, I talked with you, I felt you, and you kicked me out, or someone kicked me out. But what's interesting is I have learned that the Holy Spirit will lead you into seasons that you learn to trust God more. And they're not always fun. I'm going to be honest. But here's the the more interesting thing that I've learned recently. When Jesus was in the wilderness, being led and then tempted, it says, and was led around by the Spirit in the wilderness. Okay? So even in the desert place, he was still being led by the Holy Spirit. The best way that I can explain this is when I went through my questioning of all of my faith and all the things, I didn't feel God, I didn't hear God, but I could sense his leading still. I don't know if any of you guys have had a time in your life like that where you still knew you were making God decisions or not God decisions beyond just moral decisions. I specifically feel like God wants me to do this. I believe he wants me to do this, but I don't feel him right now. You're still being led even in a desert season. So I want to encourage you, if you're in a moment in time where you feel like you're questioning things, you're uncertain, or you don't feel like you're hearing from God, you are still and are still able to be led by the Holy Spirit. Okay? Don't put aside the fact that you understand how to follow the Holy Spirit. Because that's the very thing that's going to lead you right back into the deep places. Right back to the water. Verse 2, for 40 days being tempted by the devil, and he ate nothing during those days. And when they had ended, he became hungry. And the devil said to him, if you are the son of God, tell this stone to become bread. And Jesus answered him, it is not written, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone. The first temptation that we see, what's actually interesting is it said he was being tempted. So there could have been more to this that we don't know about. But the the three temptations that we see, number one, uh, make something happen that the Father didn't tell you to. This is a tactic of the enemy. Do something that the, the, the God hasn't actually led you to do. I could ask for a raise of hands of how many of us have done things that God didn't actually lead us to do and how we felt after we got into the things that God didn't actually lead us to do. Uh, I think this is one of the things that we fall for often. Temptation number two in verse five. And he led him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. 
And the devil said to him, I will give you all this domain and its glory, for it has been handed over to me, and I give it to whomever I wish. Therefore, if you worship before me, it shall be yours. In verse 8, Jesus answered him, it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. We have a phrase that I have said with friends of mine for a long time that says the counterfeit comes before the real thing. This is true in opportunities. This is true often in relationships. This would be a weird one to share, but I dated and was engaged to a girl whose name was Jessica, who was the same height as my Jess, who lived in a neighborhood parallel to my Jess, and we didn't know any of this until I went to her parents' house for the first time, and I was like, where are we going? I don't want to go back to this neighborhood. (laughs) But my now wife's parents lived literally like a row away from the, the first one. The first one was not meant to be my Jessica. It was a very toxic, bad, uh, Jezebel relationship, just to be honest. Not to talk about all the demons tonight, but it was, it was not, not the right relationship for me. And I thank God that my eyes opened and that relationship ended. But I find this a lot, so I'm, this is kind of dating advice, because I can do that. Um, the counterfeit often comes before the real thing, and it's really important to have people in your life that you trust that can help you discern when it is a counterfeit and when it is the real thing. This also happens a lot with opportunities. It could be a promotion, it could be a job, it could be uh, whatever. It could be, I see this a lot with young people and musicians. They get an opportunity to go play somewhere or to be a part of something that actually ends up leading their life astray. The counterfeit came before the real thing. And often it looks better. I'll give you everything you want. Just bow down to me. There's an old uh, term on that that says they sold their soul to the devil. And they bought the lie instead of the truth. Instead of waiting on and listening and following the leading of the Holy Spirit. Temptation number three. Verse nine. And he led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the son of God, throw yourself down from here. For it is written... He will command his angels concerning you to guard you, and on their hands they will bear you up, so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. And Jesus answered and said to him, It is said, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. And when the devil had finished every temptation, he left him until an opportune time. Temptation number three test God. Now, there's a difference between laying a fleece before the Lord and asking him to confirm something and testing him in the thing that he has called you and going a different direction and doing something that he didn't tell you to do in order to test him. Right? We know we shouldn't do this. So, Satan used the word of God to combat Jesus. We must be grounded in both the word and with our relationship with the Holy Spirit talking to someone recently, and uh, the phrase was said, well, they, they read a lot of scripture, and so it should be good. 
But we know that the devil knows this better than most of us. The reason I bring up this point is because we live in an area, truthfully, and this is everywhere, but my experience since living here has been, and honestly since before living here, people will twist and use the word of God to cut you down from serving him and pull you back from actually pursuing him. It's just true. I don't like it. I hate that the word of God gets used for that, but it happens often. So the power is in understanding the word and using it against the spirit that comes against you with it, right? Just because it was scripture doesn't actually mean that it was of the Lord. These are his words. This is his heart. But this can be distorted and twisted and used wrongly. There's three ifs that are presented. If you are the son of God, make bread. If you worship me, I will give to you. I had a moment of time in my life where uh, I had had a spiritual father, so to speak, and there were some bad decisions made. And I went to someone else because I, I was raised in a culture where it was important to have a, quote, spiritual father. And I still think it's, it's super important to have authority and accountability and all the things. But this term was, was highly prized and used, just truthfully. And more than anything, I took that I had to have this in order to be whole and balanced. And so I went to someone who at the time was hurting, and I realize that now. Uh, but when I said, will you be my like, spiritual father, my spiritual counsel? The response was, if you serve and lead worship here and do this there and you help me with this and you serve in this capacity, and it was a long list, then I will be your spiritual father. Now, I love this person. I'm not mad at them. They were going through a difficult time, and I think that their judgment was off at the moment. But I, I use that example because as soon as it was said, my discernment said, a father never requires from a son before they love them, before they lead them. A father will require from a son for their good. I will require my kids to do chores and to help and to work and to serve and to be respectful I will require those things, but it is for their good. They don't have to do that to earn my love. They were built in with my love. They've had it from the beginning. So one of the things that the enemy does is, if you do this, I will do that. I'll give you the counterfeit if you bow down for it. Number three, if you are the son of God, prove it. You don't have to prove anything to God. You can operate your life from his acceptance, from his approval. You actually can't earn his approval. Tactic of the enemy is you have to prove yourself. Satan will try his best to make you question your identity. You're not who you say you are. If you're the son of God, do these things. If I ask us to raise hands and be honest, every one of us has questioned our identity. Am I worth it? Do I deserve love, friendship, opportunity? I know this is a, not a fun message. I'm calling out things that I hate. Luke 4.13. This is one of the things that I want to say as a tool. When the devil had finished every temptation, he left until an opportune time. 
Here's the reality. You will have to fight against the devil. There will be light and darkness. Okay? Jesus has won. Period. But we still live on the earth. You will still have battles. You will still have spiritual warfare that you have to push through. Okay? One of the things that... Um... Anyways, let's, let's back up. Here, here's the thing that I love. The devil is not omnipresent. Only God is omnipresent. He actually can't be everywhere at once. And there's a limited amount of demons. Okay, we know that a third of the angels fell. There is not unlimited demons. Well, why does that matter? He can only last so long in a tactic or a battle against you. Unless you get in the home. The only way that demons get to continue to come after you is if you open a door and let them in. So, if you resist the devil, he will flee. Sometimes, spiritual warfare looks like resisting the devil. Galatians chapter 2, verse 4 and 5. This is just something I was reading this morning and it was really interesting with what we're talking about tonight. But it was because of the false brethren, this is Paul, uh, he's, he's in, the, in the process of ministering, and he says, but it was because of the false brethren secretly brought in who had sneaked in to spy our liberty, spy out our liberty, which we have in Christ Jesus in order to bring us into bondage. But we did not yield in subjection to them or for even an hour so that the truth of the gospel would remain in you. You have a choice if you yield to the tactic and to the plan and to the attack of the enemy. Whatever that is in your life. If it is battling with uh, depression, lust, fear, whatever the thing is, you have a choice if you yield to the enemy or if you resist him. And stand in who God has made you to be. Okay? I know this, this message feels very, like, darkness heavy. But I just want to call this out. And then I really want to pray tonight. Um, don't get distracted by the work of the enemy directly or working through people. If you resist him, James 4, 7, submit therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will free, flee from you. Janelle, if you can play, I would like to just pray tonight. I was talking with Jess and my mom and Stan, and we were talking about things in this context on Friday nights. There's nights that worship feels effortless, and it feels like, wow, it's so peaceful. We just walked in the room, and this is great. And there's nights it's like, what is going on up in here? Like, this is a challenge. I'm distracted. I feel like I'm hitting my head against the wall. I don't feel like I can fully focus on Jesus right now. I feel like there's something that we're warring against. Have any of you guys ever encountered that, whether here or somewhere else? You go to worship and it's like, what is going on? Okay. So one of the things that the Lord has been putting on my heart, and this is part of the reason I share these things tonight, is 
to view in this context Fridays and in all of our context our life not as each moment that we come to worship but as the whole of what is happening here as the whole that's so loud it's very distracting I'm sorry please help me um, as the whole of what's happening. So there's, there's been Fridays, just truthfully, Stan and I have just debriefed after and talked, and I was like, man, tonight just felt so difficult. What was this? And it was like, well, you know, like, we just warred tonight. And there was one night I was super angry, and I was like, we're going to get through this tonight so next week can be free, you know. But the reality is, you don't judge every single battle as life and death, and this is the end of all existence. Okay, so let's say tonight was awkward. Let's say you're in a moment of your life that's challenging. It's not the end of your life right now. Jesus holds the end of your life first. And second, there's a tomorrow. And the war that you win today, the battle that you win today, contributes to the war that he's winning on our behalf. Right? So every Friday for us that we push through in war, spiritually, brings freedom for next Friday and next year. 10 years from now, and Jamestown to have freedom spiritually, for Jesus to be the number one focus of Jamestown, at least in our hearts, in our focus, and hopefully for the whole community, but to see it as an ongoing thing, to see the whole, not just the moment. Let's stand tonight. I just want to pray over you guys and me and us. Father, I thank you for your freedom. I thank you for the ability to go to your word and expose the plans and the tactics of the enemy. We give him no glory. But we shine light on his tactics. Jesus, we magnify you and you alone. And God, tonight, over each and every one of us, I pray that if there is anything in our hearts, in our minds, in our lives that is hindering us from pursuing you in purity, that it would be removed right now in Jesus' name. God, if there is any words or curses spoken, we render them powerless in the name of Jesus right now over each and every one of us, over this building, over this town, this community in Jesus' name. God, would you let your fire fall on our hearts tonight? Would you burn everything up that's not of you? 
Lord, would you help us to remove every distraction, every idol, everything that we think about more than you. In the name of Jesus. We love you, God. May we be a people who worship you in all that we do. We're going to sing tonight just for a few more minutes. And if there's anything tonight, I want, I want to invite you to let this be a holy moment. If there's anything tonight that the Holy Spirit brings to your mind or highlights to you that he wants you to let go of tonight, would you walk through that with him? And if you want someone to pray with you, we can do that. And if not, would you release it and invite him to fill that area of your life? So glad you joined us for this podcast today, friend. We pray that it brought you life and encouragement to your walk with the Lord. For more teachings, music, dance, or to give financially to the ministry and mission of Breath of Heaven, visit breathofheaveninc.org. That's breathofheaveninc.org. And if you are anywhere near Jamestown, Tennessee, definitely come join us on a Friday night for community worship nights. We'll see you in the next one.